is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning. Can you, um, well, you said you responded, so it means you can hear. So good to see you all. Um, today we are right at the midpoint of our Romans series. We've had three uh, preaches. This is the fourth one and we'll have three more. So we are right at the midpoint. And I thought what I'll do is to give a quick recap of the whole series where we have been because it's so dependent on each other that you don't want to miss what um, we've said already. So the title for today is In Christ Alone, Eternal Hope. So let's do a quick recap. So Paul wrote the book of Romans from Corinth. And interestingly, Paul had not met the Christians in Rome yet, nor had any of the apostles. In the summer, we had the opportunity to go to Athens and we took a trip to Corinth. Um, There's a picture. Yes. So this is where Paul wrote Romans from. And on the top left is what they call uh, Bema. And in Corinth, Paul was preaching mostly to the Jews initially. He was preaching the gospel, but he faced a lot of opposition. And in the top left, Tradition has it that that was where Paul was tried for uh, preaching the gospel to the Jews. And so he was staying with Priscilla and Aquila in in Corinth, and he shifted his focus to preaching to the Gentiles. And you can imagine somebody who has faced opposition, who has faced so many Uh, difficulties in preaching the gospel to the people in Corinth. When he heard that there were some Christians in Rome, he decided to send a letter to introduce himself. And you can see that this theme of defending the gospel is at the center of the book of Romans. And the Christians in Rome were Jews who had come to faith from the Pentecost, and they went back to Rome to establish uh, that church. So Paul set out the case for the gospel. He set out to defend his faith, just like you know he had faced trial in Burma, in in Corinth. So you can imagine, he was in Corinth, being accused, facing challenges, and then decides to write this letter to the Christians in Rome. So he poured, he really poured out his heart. So Romans is a great book to read if you want to understand the gospel, if you have questions about our faith, or if there are any doubts It's a very good book to to read. Now, this series we've been focusing on Romans chapter eight, which is about the new life 
in Christ. And so far we found that first, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Although we live in the flesh, we are not controlled by the flesh. We've also read that when we live according to the spirit, we are not controlled by the flesh. And then last week, we saw that we have been adopted into God's family as hers. And it's a position that has been given to us. We have been instantly justified. We are being sanctified and we will be glorified one day. And those of you who were here last week, Ensign showed this plain sheet of paper that there's no blemish. It's not because of what we have done, but it's because of what Christ has done for us. So today we are continuing and looking at Romans 8, 18 to 25. And the passage today have some themes that will come through, which we'll read very shortly. Suffering, groaning, hope, and future glory. So, so far, Paul has been talking about, you know, our position in Christ, the fact that there's no condemnation for us. And last week we started, he introduced the topic of suffering. And last week it was more about suffering for the sake of Christ for being a Christian. I'm sure we have all faced suffering and pain in our lives before. You may be suffering because you've lost a dear one, because a business has declined, maybe you are out of work and struggling to make ends meet, not sure where the next meal is coming from, You may be suffering because someone may have hurt you badly. Or maybe your children may have disappointed you. Or your marriage is shaky. Or because maybe your neighbors are antagonistic. We are all going through pain and suffering. Now, there is a picture here of the current state of our world. This world is groaning. This world is in pain. Global warming is leading to fires, droughts, floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, war. There are many things I don't understand in this world. Rugby, I I don't get that game. I, 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 I can't understand it. War, war, I also don't understand why we should keep, you know, destroying things. I thought maybe you have learned from the Second World War. We are still killing innocent people for power. Environmental pollution. You know, the cost of living crisis. And there was something called COVID, pandemic, lockdown. The world is groaning and we have many questions. And some of the questions that come to mind is, why will a good God allow so much suffering in this world? 
And if we have been saved by an all-powerful God, why do we have to go through suffering and pain? How do we cope in the face of pain and suffering? So with that context, let's read the passage for today. Romans 8, 18 to 25. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. 22 says that we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they, have, they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we, we wait for it patiently. Friends, the first point I want to make is that creation is subjected to frustration and decay because of sin. So this is not how God planned it to be. God did not create suffering. God did not create this confusion that we are living in. It's all because of sin. And Paul answers that in Romans 5 and 12. You can also read 18 and 19. In 12 he says that, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So that is the picture. But God being so good, sent his son to come, to die. He says, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God is making a way to get us out of this pain, to get us out of this confusion. Now, from the verses we've read, Paul mentions groaning twice. It's the focus of the passage that we've read. Groaning and birth pain. When we are going through challenges, when we are going through pain, we all groan. And to groan is to express deep grief and sorrow over the pain of our circumstances. And we do that when we we, we go through uh, those uh, uh, painful times. There's a lot of groaning in this world, as we've seen already. 
and you think that God who saves us, God who says he has adopted us as children, who says there is no condemnation for those who are in him, would deliver us from the groans of our suffering. The good news is that he is going to do that. Amen? A day is coming that we will be delivered from our pains, but not yet. It is coming in our glorious future, and he's going to turn our groaning into glory. In the passage that we've read, it also talks about birthing and adoption. But before we look at that, let's remind ourselves of what Jesus said to his disciples. In Matthew 24, 6 to 8, it says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Wow, as if he was writing for the time we are living in. There will be famines. There are famines right now. Earthquakes. This year we had earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So birth pains is a state of waiting in pain and groaning. I must apologize, I'm not the best to talk about birth pains. Um, so I checked this with Joyce to make sure uh, I, I'm saying, what, what, what I'm saying here is right. The passage is saying that the whole world, we are groaning as in birth pain. And so I thought about you know, the characteristics of birth pain. Number one, the pain does not last forever. Hopefully that is true. Yes, I, I see a lot of nodding. Secondly, the pain increases the closer the birth approaches. Is that true? Yeah. Thirdly, the hope of the outcome makes the pain easier to bear. That is also true. Thank God, I've passed three. (laughs) Fourthly, and the most important thing, it results in new life. It results in new life. And this is our hope as children of God. We are not going through suffering just for the sake of suffering. It is going to result in something new. And as a mother lies there in pain, waiting for the arrival of the newborn baby, and just casts, as the baby comes, by looking at the baby, it makes the pain even worth it. And what Jesus is telling us that 
one day when we get to that place, we will look back and say it was all worth it. We will look back that and say if for the sake of this, that pain was all worth it. Thank God he didn't say death pains or any other form of pain. This is birth pains. Something good is going to come out of it. Our future glory. We have been adopted as God's children. We heard that last week. We have received the first fruits of the Spirit. You see, when you become a child of God, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God comes to live within you, and His Spirit lives in you. We still await the completion of our adoption. So last week, Anson talked about justification. We've been justified, we are being sanctified, we will be glorified. We have been adopted, but our adoption process is not complete yet. And the bit that needs to happen to, to complete things is the redemption of our bodies. A time is coming that this body will be redeemed. Revelations chapter 21, 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he would dwell with them. A time is coming that God himself is going to dwell with us. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I'm sure we've been shedding some tears. We've been growing, groaning. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. This is our hope. This is what we are looking forward to. This is the new heaven and the new earth that is coming. Just as birth pains brings out new life, this is what we are hoping forward to. And this is what we are looking forward to. Our eternal hope. So we all hope for things. Those of you who follow football, maybe you say, I hope that my team wins today or they take the league or things like that. We all hope for things. But the hope that we are talking about here is the anchor of our soul 
and is firm and secure. And this is what Paul was also trying to put across, that we are not just hoping on something that is shaky. The hope that we have is secure. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5. It says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, so the earthly tent is our flesh, our bodies. So if this earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So when the landlord comes chasing you for rent, know that you have another room somewhere. Heaven, a time is coming that you will be in the presence of God. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. And this is the important bit who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So if you doubt this hope, if you doubt all that we've been talking about, know that because the spirit of God lives in you, it's a guarantee that what we are saying is going to happen, amen? He has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Sometimes we hope for things that we do not have any guarantee for. We do not have any strong basis. But in this case, we have every guarantee that is going to happen. Now, if I were to say, I hope that Luton survives, Luton Town survives the Premier League. It's, it's quite shaky, it's not based on, fa- well, I wouldn't say it's not based on fact, it's early days yet, who knows? But if I say, I hope that maybe Arsenal survives, that is based on, you know, some facts, isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, where they are on the table and everything, it's, it's, they are quite secure. They have a deposit guaranteeing that they will survive the league. And what Paul is saying here is that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what is to come. So we shouldn't be shaking. We shouldn't doubt. Let us continue to focus and hope in the glory that we have. 
So in summary, I, I wanted to summarize Romans 8, 18 to 25 pictorially. So in this world, we've seen that, you know, we live in these perishable bodies, full of sickness, death, there is pain, there are tears. The future glory that is coming, we will be in God's presence forever. We will have imperishable new bodies. There will be no more sickness. There will be no death, no pain, no tears. And what Paul says is that when he puts this on scale, then our current suffering cannot be compared with our future glory. So when you compare the two, I don't know which one you choose, but I'll choose the future glory. It's far, far, far better than the pain that we're going through. But we've not left the world yet. We are still in this world. We are hoping for the future glory. And hope is what helps us to go through this life. And the hope that we are talking about is based on the word of God. And he has given us a spirit as a guarantee that this is going to happen. No matter what happens to us in this world, this is sure and is going to happen because we have the Spirit of God living in us. And this hope is what we need to hold on to. I spent many times talking with Andre and Natasha from Ukraine. And once they came home, we're having a meal together and, you know, talking to, you know, the family, talking about how they are settling in. And Andre was saying, you know, his goal is that in the next five to ten years, they will establish 300 churches in Europe. And I sat there wondering, you are going through this pain. And I'm here asking about how you are doing, how the family. All he's thinking about is to expand the kingdom of God. Because that brings hope. So when people are hurting, when we are in difficulty, actually what people need is hope. And preparing for this, it actually changed my way of thinking and also how I pray for the situations that we find ourselves. So when we are praying for people in world zones, when we are praying for people who are in difficulty, yes, let's pray that God comes in and resolves the situation, but let's also pray that they will find this hope. Let's also pray that in the difficulty, God will reveal themselves, himself to them. You see heaven, you can go to heaven when you are 90, when you are 102, when you are five, you can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. On your deathbed, you can, this door is still open. 
And therefore, in the crisis and in the pain that we find ourselves, we have hope that we can share. So as we help people to come out of the situation, let's make sure we talk to them about hope. So our response, finally, is this. That this hope is available in Christ alone. Have you said yes to him? And the question I want to ask as I end this, how are you waiting? Are you fixated on your troubles and pain? Or you are waiting in hope of the future glory? Let us ask the Holy Spirit to change our spiritual eyes that we will begin to see beyond the present, that we will begin to see beyond our current challenges, that we will appreciate the fact that these are birth pains and something good is going to come out of this. Amen? Amen? Let's bow and pray. My faith has found a resting place, not in device, nor creed. I need no argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That is all that matters that Jesus died and he died for us. And that death has brought us hope of a future glory. And that is the hope that we stand. We need no other argument. We need no other plea. In your groaning, in your confusion, where are you looking at? Are you looking into this world for answers? Or you are trusting in God? You are trusting in the hope that he brings. May we continue to reflect on these truths and continue to hope in God even as we go through this world. Father, touch us and help us to live victoriously as people who have hope in you. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. You 
You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.